Oh, good morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs 27. That's where we're going to be this morning. <clears throat> Keep our pastor in your prayers, you guys. He's uh, he's sick right now. He's not feeling too well. He kind of, he lost his voice. So if you uh, if you if you think about them, just pray for them for for healing um, on them and, and his family. Um, so Proverbs 27. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we come before you, and we want to give you thanks and praise for, for who you are, Father God, for what you do in our lives. Father, and as we celebrated yesterday the freedom that we have in this country, Father God, we want to thank you and we want to praise you for the freedom that we have in you, Father God, our freedom from sin, Lord, from bondage, from this world, Lord, that we Lord, are free, or we are made free through your blood, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we, we want to honor you, Lord. We want to give you thanks and praise for that right now. And as we just read your word right now, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me to your people, Lord, that it wouldn't be me up here, but that it would be you, Father God. And that you would just have your way in our hearts right now, that we would open up our hearts, Lord, that we would have ears to listen, hearts to receive, Father God. And that your word would just be made known right now. We want to give you this time. Be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Proverbs 27. And let's go ahead. I want to go ahead and read the whole chapter. So let's read Proverbs 27. It says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Verse 3. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love, carefully concealed. Faithful, verse 6, are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird, verse 8, that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Verse 11. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a a seductress. Verse 14, he who blesses a friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Verse 17, so as iron sharpens iron, 
so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who will wait on his master will be honored. As in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. Verse 21. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Verse 25. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide you clo- your clothing, and the goats the price of a field. You shall have, verse 27, enough goats' milk for your food, for the food of your household, and the nourishment of your maidservants. So Solomon, he is talking to his people, his sons. And he's talking to them about what is honorable in the sight of the Lord. As children of God, what we and how we should act, how we should go about things that come up in life. And so we see here in verse 1, He says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Isn't it human nature to to be overly confident or prideful about what's going to be happening in your life? Oh yeah, I have a five-year plan. I I know what I'm going to be doing. I I work for the mortgage industry, and a lot of times I get clients who you know, yeah, they commit, uh, yeah, I want to move forward. You know, and for, the, for me, that means, sweet, a bigger bonus check. I'm going to get a guy to, to get a mortgage. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm counting my chickens before I have them in the coop. And then the next day comes, oh, yeah, you know what? Me and my wife talked. We don't want to move forward anymore. I got so prideful. I get so excited about what tomorrow holds. We don't even know if there is going to be a tomorrow. We don't know. What's going to happen to this church? It's human nature to be overly confident in what the future holds. It's easy to boast about what's going to happen later on tomorrow. Our arrogance. He says, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We need to have a humble attitude towards the future, you guys. Now, I'm not saying, don't get this twisted, I'm not saying for you guys to, to not plan. To not, to not worry about tomorrow. It's good to plan. And if that's what the Lord has for you, then he'll keep that door open. If that's what he doesn't have for you, he'll slam that door in your face. But we need to have a humble attitude towards the future. Because our ways are not the Lord's ways. Our, our, our plans are not the Lord's plans. 
In fact, what the Lord has for us is so much greater than what we have for ourselves. And we need to remember that. God's future for us is going to be so much greater than what we have for ourselves. Verse 2 says, Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. In this day and age, you guys, we have, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, there's Snapchat, so much social media. And with that social media comes self-promotion. Technology, you guys, computers. We have computers in our pockets at home. Technology all around us. It gives you so many methods to promote yourself. It gives you the opportunity, the temptation to, to praise yourself. But, but Solomon is saying here that we need to avoid such self-praise. That we need to avoid those temptations. Because we know that every good and perfect thing doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the Lord, right? That when we do things that are good, that the glory should go to God, not ourselves, right? He says, in a stranger, he said, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. That honor means so much more when it comes from, from someone that you don't know from an outside source. It's easy to, to know somebody and to know who they are and, you know, when they do something, oh, yeah, that's who they are. That's what they do because you know them. You know, that's their nature. That's what, they, that's what they do on a day-to-day basis. But when someone who doesn't know you sees what you do for the Lord, says, wow, that's different. Wow, look at that. That is an honor that, that, that is special. That's something that, that, that should be given to the Lord, not ourselves, correct? We get so caught up in, oh, look at me, I can do this. I lead worship. I teach. I lead a church. Or I run a business. Or I'm the top, I'm the top salesman in, 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 my, in my company. We need to realize who has given us those gifts. And, and those gifts should be given back to the Lord, right? Again, every good and perfect thing comes from God, not ourselves. We, we sow evil and corruption, but the Lord, praise, praise him with his grace and his mercy and his love. We are able to, to honor him with our gifts. And so Solomon is warning us here. And then in verse 3, it says, A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Verse 4, Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Jealousy. 
Have you guys, I'm sure you guys have done yard work before. You know, you, wheelbarrows of sand, you know, rocks. Has, has quite a bit of weight to it. But Solomon's saying that a fool, and in this content, a fool is someone who rejects God's wisdom, who rejects God. He said a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. When someone who rejects God's wisdom they don't know any better. They have anger, they have wrath. It's it's a heavy dangerous thing. And 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 the wrath of 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 any person even a Christian can have humongous consequences can have humongous repercussions. How much more when a fool is doing it? Guys, when you are not of the Lord, when you are not constantly grounding yourself in Jesus Christ, when you do not have the discipline over yourself, you're a fool. Because he continues in verse 4, he says, Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? You guys, one of the biggest things as human beings, we get so caught up in our feelings and our emotions. And when we act on those emotions, we are acting through the flesh. And it manifests. It sits there. And it becomes anger and jealousy and wrath. And there is a power, a destructive power, that that is very dangerous when it comes to those three things. And he, and, he, and he ends this verse, says, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Yes, wrath and anger are, are very dangerous things. But you think about jealousy. That is even more dangerous. Wrath, anger, that, that, those emotions, that, that's, that's caused by, by being provoked. But jealousy, that, 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 that comes from, you, from yourself. You think about how jealousy, how envy motivated um, the religious leaders during the time of, of Jesus. And what did that end up as? Well, they were so jealous, they were so envious that they arranged the death of Jesus Christ, Right? A commentator by the name of Ross, he says this about jealousy. He says, jealousy is a raging emotion that defies reason at times and takes the form of destructive violence like a consuming fire. You guys, when you get jealous, it can become something that is, that is absolutely horrid. And when we are a fool, when we are not grounded in the Lord, 
we can be so easily overcome with those emotions. And the enemy will use that. He will provoke us. Put thoughts in our heads. And Solomon is warning us. That we need to be strict with ourselves. That we need to be disciplined with ourselves. That these emotions can cause damage, can can destroy churches. Verse 5. It says, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Uh, This is not a fun verse to read. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. So many people, including myself, you know, we, we tend to be very hesitant when it comes to to confrontating somebody, to rebuking somebody, especially someone who, who's, in, who's, in, who's in the church. It's a hard, difficult thing to do. But Solomon is telling us here that there is a time and a place where rebuke is, is needed. Rebuke is right. And not only is it right, but it's better than the alternative. It says, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Let me ask you this. When you love something or when you love somebody, you want people to know that, right? In its purest form, love is expressed, right? It's an action. It's a verb. Love does no good when it's concealed. Honest love, pure love of of open rebuke is so much better than, than love that is concealed. Because when you love somebody, you think about Parents, when you love your children, you discipline them, correct? When you love some when you love them, you don't want them to make the same mistakes that you did growing up. You want them to be better than you. And so sometimes you have to rebuke them, right? Maybe you have to spank them, put them in a timeout, ground them from whatever it may be, for a couple days or weeks. I I know I had a lot of those. But guess what I learned? I knew not to make that mistake again. And Solomon as a father, and God as our father, does not want us to make those mistakes. So he's warning us here. He's telling us that if we need to, Rebuke each other in love. 
Because we are here to build each other up, correct? To build the church, the body. And then in verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, me and Pastor Mike, you know, we, we, we talk quite a bit. And, uh, and sometimes we get into it. And sometimes we have to call each other out. Hey, man, you're lacking here. What's going on? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to do? A, a true friend, a true brother or sister in the Lord that is willing to wound us with love and correction. Now that's someone that you want in your life every day. You think about, um, you think about a surgeon. They have to cut you open to heal you, correct? So they have to wound you in order to get to the bigger problem. And so you think about that wound. That wound's going to heal. Sometimes we need to wound each other in order to, to heal. That's a good thing. That's how we grow in each other and in the Lord. And then Saul warns us, says, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Gosh, how many times in the Bible have we seen a kiss come from an enemy? Think about Judas, about Joab, Absalom, Ahithophel. That's just a few. I would rather have a friend tell me what I'm doing wrong than have the enemy whispering in your head, hey, it's okay. It's okay. God will forgive you. You're okay. You can do that again. No. Call me out, please. And that is what Solomon is warning here. And then in verse 7 and 8, it says, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. When our life, you guys, is satisfied, when our souls are satisfied with Jesus, with our Lord and Savior, with the Word of God, it says, the satisfied soul soul loathes the honeycomb. At that time, you guys, honeycomb was, was the cream of the crop, was the best of the best. Sweet, delicious honey. And it says, and the soul loathes that. When the, 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 the satisfied soul loathes that. When we are satisfied spiritually in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then there is nothing in this world that looks satisfying to us. There is nothing in this world that we want because we already have the satisfaction in Jesus Christ. It says, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You guys, this world wants to lie and deceive you. 
When you do not have Jesus in your life, your soul, your flesh is, is aching, is wanting something to satisfy it. And it needs Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And so what do they turn to? Money, drugs, alcohol, sex. The things of this world, you guys, that the devil tries to feed them saying, this will satisfy you. It's temporary. It doesn't last. Because your soul is hungry. It says every bitter thing is sweet. It lasts for a moment, you guys, but what does it gain you? I'll tell you what it gains you. It gains you damnation to hell. We need to satisfy our soul with the word of God, with Jesus Christ, you guys. Otherwise, like in verse 8, it says, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. When we are searching for satisfaction, you guys, we are going to wander to try to find it. When what we truly need is here, in the word of God, in this church, in your homes, We have a place that's appointed by God. And just like a bird that wanders from its place, from its nest, we can do that too if we do not answer that call of Jesus, call of God. Our place, you guys, it's not here in this world. Our place is with our Father, our Lord and Savior in heaven. This life is a vapor, you guys. It's here today and gone tomorrow. We have bigger and greater things for our, for our lives, for our souls, if we only answer the call of Jesus Christ. Verse 9. It says, an ointment and perfume delight the heart and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Verse 10, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Who doesn't like to smell good? Right? I, I'm not going to lie. I have a couple... Bottles of cologne, you know, next to my sink. Ointment and perfume delight the heart. It's nice to smell good. We like to smell good, right? And Solomon says, And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Solomon's saying, yeah, this smells good, but but what about this? This is even better. Strong counsel from a friend. Is there somebody in your life who does that for you, who can counsel you, help you out? Or, or, Or ask yourself, 
Are you that person in someone else's life to counsel them when they need it, you guys? I cannot stress this enough that fellowship, that rebuke, faithful wounds of a friend, counsel, when you have a friend who does those things with you and vice versa, the Lord can use that in a mighty way. We need to put ourselves in good company. In this church, at home, with your spouse, your children, your friends. He says in verse 10, he says, Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. We need to hold our friendships very dear to ourselves. And not only hold them dear to ourselves, but we need to have an obligation to those friendships. We shouldn't forsake them. Think about your best friend that you have or a good friend. You guys know what makes each other tick. You guys know what rubs each other the wrong way. You guys know what they like to go and eat, what they like to go and do. But do you know them like that spiritually? Do you know what they struggle with spiritually? What needs to be strengthened? What needs to be rebuked? Because we are called not only to serve the Lord, but to serve each other. So Solomon is telling us this for a reason. Verse 11. says, My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Verse 12, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself and the simple pass on and are punished. For those of you who are fathers, when you have a son or a daughter who's obedient, who's well-behaved, has good manners at the dinner table, How does that make you feel? Makes you proud of that person, that, that your child, right? And Solomon is giving encouragement to his son to be wise. Bring, bring gladness to your father, to your mother. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you I didn't bring my parents a lot of gladness growing up. Praise the Lord for his grace and mercy. He says that I may answer him who reproaches me. You guys, a foolish son is a, is, is a cause of, of, of insults and reproach to parents. 
You know, in some ways, the son who, who, who rejects his parents' wisdom, how does that make the parents feel? Embarrassed, right? Foolish. You know, you hear parents show, who, whose kid is that? Hey, that's your son. That's not my son. Hey, go handle your son. Children, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. And verse 12 says, And a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. As men and women of the Lord, you guys, we need to be able to, to recognize evil. We need to be able to recognize where we should and shouldn't be. We need to be above reproach. He says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. We need to hide ourselves from evil. We need to avoid it. And Psalm says, the simple pass on and are punished. Those who are, are naive, who don't know any better, who are untrained, who don't know the Lord, they don't know. They're blind to that evil around them in this world. Remember, you will reap what you sow. I promise you that. And these, these people who are blind to this evil, they will sow it eventually. Again, Solomon is warning us. Verse 13 and 14. It says, Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Verse, uh, verse 15 as well. It says that a continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Verse 16, whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Again, Solomon is giving examples, warnings, We see here in verse 14, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. So in this instance, in this sense right here, Solomon is talking about that over-the-top greeting, blessing, you know, means to flatter you, to maybe sway you, manipulate you a little bit. It's loud. It starts early in the morning. And Solomon is warning us, be careful for, for those kisses of the enemy. He wants to sway you. 
The enemy will do whatever he can to turn your eyes from Jesus Christ, from God. It says it will be counted a curse to him. It's great you know, to have a friendly greeting. It's great to sue each other. But if it's fake, it's a curse. We go back to open rebuke. Faith for the wounds of a friend. We need to be real with each other. That's, that's one thing. When I first moved here, one of the first things that, that, that Mike said to me, he said, one thing, one of the biggest things that I need for you to do is just be real. Be transparent. We need to be real with each other, church. And he goes on in verse 15 and 16. He says, A continual dripping on a very rainy day, and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. You ever, me, and, me and my wife, we just uh, we bought a house a couple years ago, and the roof was pretty old. We just got it replaced, thank, thank the Lord. But um, we had a leak. And gosh, that, that sucked. It, it was a bummer. You know, you had to replace some drywall. It, it caused damage in the ceiling. Um, got all soggy and whatnot. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. When something's dripping, there's a problem, right? There's a leak somewhere. Something's wrong. It brings damage. It's annoying. Hear that little sound? That is the exact same effect that a contentious woman has in the house. I read this quote, and I really like it. I want to read it to you. It says, The man take shelter under the roof of his home, expecting to find protection from the storm. Instead, he finds his leaky roof provides him no shelter from the torrential downpour. Likewise, he married with the expectation of finding good, but the wife from whom he expected protection from the rudeness of the world harshly attacks him at home. And then we see in verse 16, it says, Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps, grasps oil with his right hand. You guys ever tried to restrain the wind before? It's kind of impossible, right? You ever try to hold oil in your hand? You can't, right? It just slips right through the cracks. To correct or to reform a contentious woman, that's what Solomon is comparing it to. It's impossible. It is difficult. But how about this? Instead of trying to change a contentious woman, 
a wise and godly husband would do what? Love her. Just as Christ loves his church, his bride, that's us. How many times do we spit on Jesus' name? How many times do we sin against him or turn our backs to him? And yet, what does God do? He loves us. Thank God that he loves us. And so just as we are a a contentious bride to the Lord sometimes, and he still loves us, we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves like Christ. Why aren't we acting like Christ? Why don't we do the same? That's what Solomon is trying to alliterate here. Christ loves his church. We need to love our significant other and leave the changing to God. Because there is nothing that we can do in our own power. Love them and let God change them. Verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Verse 18, whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. And so he who waits on his master will be honored. I love this verse, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You want to know how they sharpened their weapons, their iron weapons back in the day? With more iron. But it happens through, through striking, friction, sparks. You know, you, you watch those shows. There's a show called Forge and Fire. I don't know if you've ever seen that show before. I think it's on the History Channel. But it's a, it's a competition where these, these contestants, they have so much time to make these, these weapons. And you see them making it, throwing it in the fire. They're hitting it with a hammer constantly, bending it, shaping it, molding it, sharpening it. We as men and as women, as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, you guys, can be used by God to to sharpen each other, to strengthen each other. Unfortunately, sometimes it might happen through through a bit of, of, of friction. But we shouldn't be afraid of that. In fact, we should expect it. If, if your friendship is all rainbows and sunshines and you guys never fight and, and everything's always glitz and glam and, and perfect, I want to be careful with that. Because true friends, we need to be there for each other, to wound each other, so to speak, to counsel each other, call each other out, In verse 18, and we're going to end here this morning. 
We'll finish here. It says, whoever keeps that, the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master will be honored. The person who is patient. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to grow a, a fruit tree before. You know, you don't just plant it, you know, come out the next day and it's fully grown. There's fruit on it. And it's, and it's, it's delicious. It's nice and ripe. No, it takes time. The worker who, who waits, who takes the time to, to prune that tree, to water it, to grow it, that person is, is, is worthy of its fruits. And Solomon says here, says, so he who waits on his master will be honored. Do we wait on the Lord or are we impatient? Do we truly wait on the Lord? The fruit that you will bear, you guys, when you wait on God are the plans that he has for you. If you only wait on him, watch what happens. Because I guarantee you that God rewards those who wait upon him. He promises it. We need to be diligent in our work with God. Do our work diligently and God will reward that. He will honor that. I promise you that. The harvest is out there, guys. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He has called each and every one of us to labor to wait on him. And so my prayer for you guys this morning is that you not only take heed to, to, to these things that Solomon, to, that God has talked about, but that we, we wait on our Lord, our master. And watch, watch the fruit that comes from it. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you so much, Lord, that you are a God of, of patience, of love. Father God, that you love us when we are so unworthy. And so I ask, Lord, we ask as, as, as your body that you would help us, Lord, to take heed to our brothers and sisters, Lord. Take heed to you to your warnings, Father God. And that we would be patient. And that we patiently wait on you. That we would plan our, our, our steps. That you would direct them where you want us, Father God. Lord, we know you love us. We know that your ways are above our ways and that your plans are above our plans. And so we want to just wait on you, Father God. We ask that you would just lead us where you have us. And that through that we would find the greatest satisfaction. That the things of this world would seem as, as, as nothing compared to you. I pray that would be our attitudes, Father God. I pray that would be our mindsets. As we continue our, through our, our days and our weeks, our months and our years, Lord, the rest of our lives. Continue to work in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Guys, God bless you. If you guys need a prayer, I'll be up here. Mike's over there. Reggie's over to the other side. Um, We do have a baptism here in in about, I would say about 20 minutes. We're going to go ahead and and do that. It's going to be right outside here in the courtyard. So if you guys feel free to to join us as we just celebrate and as we, uh, you know, are just so excited to, to just see two young lives just dedicate themselves to the Lord in public, proclaiming his name. We're just so excited. So please join us. Be in about 20 minutes. Thanks, guys. God bless.